Welcome to podcast number five. We've hit number five, and I'm with the founder of the Million to One charity, which, in a nutshell, is looking to get one million people to pay just one pound to raise uh, a million pounds for creating a, a home for life for disabled children in Southern Africa. Where did the concept start for you? The way it all started was I volunteered out in southern africa in various different areas for quite a long time not loads and not any more than anyone else i don't think when i was back out there in 2004 there was a group of women who approached me and said that there was a group of disabled children who were homeless that no one was able to help they're living in a hospital so they're not on the streets but it's not really a way of life they don't really have much they're existing basically i think that's the best way to put it they're existing rather than having a proper life so they asked if I could help because it's very hard to raise the kind of funds that you need from within the country so I was only 24 at the time I didn't know how I could do it but I went back in 2008 because I decided that I couldn't live with the decision not to do something about it so I went back over and did lots of research on prices and how much everything would cost the home the medical care rehabilitation everything for um, each year for eight kids and then I spoke to a couple of charities that I knew very well local charities and said would they be willing to expand and adopt the kids and run the home if I funded it from the UK? And a couple of charities that I knew said yes, they would, but they needed uh, two conditions. They had two conditions. One was that obviously the money comes in every year, but the second was the one that was going to be really hard to meet, which was that they had a guaranteed income for their lifetime. I had to offer a guarantee before this ever began that I would have exactly the same amount of money coming in in 70 years' time because this is going to be a home for life. So I came back to the UK and did lots of kind of thinking and tried to work on lots of ideas. And I Googled how much interest a million would make and realised that the interest alone off a particularly large lump sum would be enough every year to cover the home, which is about between 30 and 40,000 approximately every year. I'm really intrigued by the concept of the the single pound because uh, mm-hmm. I remember when I came to one of your talks originally, I was almost a little bit embarrassed about just paying one pound and getting this great talk back. If I was to ask absolutely anyone, tell them about the idea and say it's one pound once, I don't think anyone would ever say no. I think what you have to address then is the marketing and how you get out to that many people and how you show them that it is completely different from something else and how you build up that trust. I think that's the really big challenge. There is a way for people to pay more. Lots of people have paid. though. I don't think there was. In fact, I know that there wasn't. When you joined up, it was a whole different process, and I've got a new web developer since then, and we've set up the payment system differently. And kind of the average, I reckon, is about five. If I really looked at it overall, about five pounds. Okay. And I think a lot, and a lot of people have come up to me since and said, "Oh, I, re- I really want to pay more." So there will be a donate button on the site if people want to pay more. But the idea is, I'm actually trying to move away from the word donate because I want it to be almost. I mean, the whole thing is charitable, and I and I'm giving away 100% of the profit, but it's people doing something for themselves, people investing in themselves, if you like, people paying one pound to buy membership for My Million to One and using My Million to One, the free events offers everything, to do something for themselves rather than being asked to donate to another cause across the world that they don't really know anything about with kids that they don't know. I think just people have the right 
to treat themselves as much as they have the right to give, if that makes any sense. Some other charities within the, the sector, and they take the corporate sponsorship route, maybe try and get a, a lump sum and a, a key sponsor. Is that an area that, that you've explored? I'm open to lots of ideas, to be honest, because I think with something this ambitious that I'm doing completely on my own, it would be quite silly to limit myself and not pursue as many avenues as possible. Because again, my priority is the kids. It's getting them a home and making the money to get a home. I just want to do it by helping people throughout the UK as well. I want it to be simultaneous. I don't want people to be giving. I want people to be doing something for themselves. But my priority is obviously that these kids really need a home. One of the other areas I was, I was particularly impressed with it was just the I don't call it ballsy ambition that raising one million pounds in one year that you've set yourself a fixed finite target, which I found hugely impressive and I'm sure, you know, slightly scary for you thinking uh, thinking that those days ticking ticking down. And was that to, to force yourself to, to get a deadline so that you could get the get the home up and running? You know, what what gave you the, the idea of something so finite? I think if you're looking at a lump sum, a really big lump sum like that, unless you make it finite, it never happens. It just, it will just drag on. People will put it back. The minute you set a date, the minute you say, right, this is it, it has to be by this point, you're creating more of a story. You're creating more of a, because it's, it's nice, it's compact, it's a story. There's also the fact that a lot of very high profile people, very busy people have gotten on board, um, some of whom I knew before and some people like Mark Beaumont and Leon Taylor, who I didn't know before and who I got in touch with and asked if they would help. And the reason people are so quick to give to this project, to give their time, is they know that it has a finite date. It's not going to be ongoing. It's going to be for this year only. And they're only going to be asked once. And that means that they can take out time. They can allocate specific time when they otherwise leave incredibly busy lives and also a very they often do a lot of work with charities that they're very loyal to and I don't want to take away from that I want them to be able to do something to help people in the UK who want to follow in their footsteps not become a charity that they have to be a patron for so by setting a target for a year I'm encompassing and managing all of those things and then there is just a very simple fact that the longer time goes on the longer these kids don't have a home and there's one child in particular who I feel particularly responsible for who I've known of for a long time since I was 18 and she's she's almost 19 now and by the time she reaches 21 she won't be allowed in the home she'll be too old to, to go into what the children's home or will grow to be an adult's home but it will start to be a children's home and I just don't think I could live with that responsibility I don't think I could live with the fact that I let it drag out so much that she never got the home that she deserves. Yeah it's interesting I mean it's been one of the the themes and a particular area of interest for me is around uh, self-motivation and dealing with procrastination. And it's been interesting talking to some of the other guests on the on the podcast. And there seems to be that universal theme that of something that all of us struggle with in one shape or form. But mm -hmm. actually putting yourself out there and saying, this is what I'm going to do and announcing it, it almost becomes fact. And you have to get on with it because you've you've promised it to other people and that that in itself becomes motivating yeah well a lot of the kind of success bits you can read not like not necessarily big business success bits but just talking about the principles of success and the thoughts behind it they all say that unless you put, really put yourself out there really commit and unless you tell everyone that you're going to do it it's often a lot harder to do 
you have to make it as public as possible because subconsciously you're then under far more pressure and you then find yourself living up to expectations. And I think I think that is very useful. And I've even wondered recently if a year setting myself a year for this was too long, if it would create more urgency and be more of interest to people if I'd made it even shorter. But I really wanted people to be able to use the site for a year, to have all these events over the year, which is why I made it that long. And I would like to stagger everything across it. But I think that that sense of urgency is hugely important if you're going to succeed. Yeah, and I think there's, there is a beautiful symmetry to it. So one year, one million pounds, hopefully yeah. one million people is something mm. that you can really hook onto and communicate simply as a as an idea because I'm I'm sure it'd be interesting to hear your your views on what how you find people's attitudes are to to charity because we do get asked to to give a lot and almost it's it's sometimes difficult to know where to to place your money and where to invest your causes because there are so many great and worthy causes that are that are out there and I'm sure you know one of the, the challenges for for my my million to one is you know getting that that voice and that awareness out because this is something I believe you, you've started from scratch it's starting mm. with just you and obviously you're you've done an amazing job in networking your way around the world and pulling together these great connections but no it's still it's still quite a challenge I imagine. The minute you say charity people think donations people think they're being asked and charities do a phenomenal work I mean places companies um organizations like UNICEF are constantly on hand to go out to disaster zones to be, to go out and react to situations and obviously this is completely different this is time that I've spent I've spent a good couple of years building up to this point so they, they do phenomenal work but this is different I'm always referring to this as what people can do for themselves so I've even started marketing it more as bringing your bucket list to life and people then tend to find out about the charity aspect afterwards there's a recent workshop that I did on Sunday that went fantastically well it was a physical theatre workshop with lots of really really incredibly lovely people but I don't know how many of them really knew about the charitable aspect of my million to one until I did a talk beforehand and then the reaction was huge. For the for the Wheels of Wisdom podcast we have quite a few cyclists and adventurers that that listen in and I did I did a little bit of homework on uh, on you Alana and your your previous career because I and so you left behind a very promising career in in broadcasting to set up on your own and create a charity uh, from scratch. So, so I was thinking that you, have, of all people, must know the the importance of creating a good uh, TV format or podcast format. And uh, we were we were facebooking a little bit over the last couple of weeks on uh, how we're going to work the cycling angle back into the podcast. Because typically, uh, how it works is I I normally head off on a, a cycle ride with my with my guests to have an interesting place of their their choosing and then kind of take on the, the gods of outside broadcasting and try and get some uh, half decent audio out of it among uh, kind of planes and wind and stray dog i think with this we have taken a true sort of alan partridge approach of kind of taking a, a sledgehammer to the format so i think we're we're both uh, sat inside and me in london you up in Manchester over Skype and uh, so I'm sitting on a chair and instead of a bicycle but as as very interesting to to read there in terms of the the site there are a couple of really interesting areas there for for cyclists and adventurers and a unsung as part of the discounts and offers that you're creating mm. um, there'll be areas there that that touch for cyclists as well it'd be, it'd be interesting to know a little bit more about that 
Yeah, absolutely. I pulled up a few of them actually before we started speaking so that I could refer to them. People have been really generous actually. I think I think anyone who works in adventure or in travel they understand my mini into one and how huge it is much faster i think because they tend to have to think really big themselves so there's, there's been a really really positive response and there's companies like cycle active who've given a discount off six cycling tours and one of them is a cycling cuba so there are some in the uk and some abroad so there's stuff like that that's really good there's discounts off actual bikes from places like Foffer bikes and I'm still speaking to lots of other people who on board but need to give me exact details that I can put up then there's a really really lovely person called Steve from Chasing Trails who does kind of outdoor mountain biking but he also teaches tricks and stuff like that so he's come on board and offered discounts for free skills courses and stuff discounts and free skills courses support and then of course Mark Beaumont's webinar which is in May because he's ridiculously busy doing something amazing and incredible with uh the bbc or up until then uh he's his webinar is uh, anyone can ask him anything to help with their own adventure and obviously he has an incredibly strong cycling background great now i'm I'm really looking forward to hearing mark beaumont i remember watching the bbc documentary that he did on his trip yeah i I hadn't realized that you're also getting into the bike discounts because uh i'm afraid i I lost a beloved bicycle to tom keville davis the the hungry cyclist who's in the first podcast so uh (laughs) i had a little adventure of my own that i had borrowed his his bike when he moved out to france and then i i rode it back to him out in burgundy but i feel like i've lost a long lost friend so I might well be in the market, so maybe I can help uh, in that way. There's a explorer and filmmaker and broadcaster called Dominic Gill, and he does, I don't know if you've ever heard of Take a Seat. It's kind of a series of different documentaries, but he takes a tandem bike across different parts of the world, and people join him to cycle. Just complete strangers, locals, join him and help him cycle around the world. And he's an amazing character, and he's had some absolutely amazing experiences. And he is also doing a webinar from the States, in November talking about that so that's kind of a, dis- a different aspect for anyone who would consider cycling for adventure and potentially using a tandem just kind of a di- something a little bit different so he'll just be chatting about that oh that would be superb yeah I've, I've been on the back of uh, Tom's tandem which is one of the funniest experiences of my life you just go around with this massive smile on your face because you you kind of you really stand out particularly to <laughs> Two sort of middle-aged men cycling through the countryside. We made it quite a sight, but it was so much fun. Imagine for for strangers as well, the idea of getting on the back of an adventure tourer's bicycle is just a, a glorious idea. So we should we should actually mention that first came into contact uh, with my million to one through the Sean Conway talk that you organised. Which uh, for those who don't know, I mean, Sean Conway is a really a, a veteran adventurer cyclist and at the moment the, so the the talk was about his upcoming swim from Land's End to John O'Groats who's me the first man that's ever done that and at the last podcast I did with Ollie Broom I looked up where where Sean had reached he was somewhere in the middle of the Bristol Channel and I had a little look this morning so I knew I was going to be talking to you and I see he's reached Northern Ireland, so it looks like he's more than halfway. Apparently he's scheduled to arrive in Scotland tomorrow, if he's wow. like lucky with everything. Yeah, he's doing fantastically. It was such a lovely event, that, because it was really nice to go somewhere in central London where I didn't know anyone, I couldn't persuade anyone to go at short notice, I thought I'd seen it, I think I'd seen it on that, on that day. And then I walked into the room, 
and you warmly greeted me and kind of pointed me at a table and that was it. And then we were, we were down there chatting away. I met up with super cycling man who guested on the, on the podcast and met up with lots of other wonderful people. It just had a really lovely feel. It has. It's something that's really proving extra special about my mini one just just for me as well getting to meet some really really interesting people and there is a warmth because I think the kind of people that this project is attracting very early on are people who put themselves out there and take a risk and believe in something that they haven't heard of before Sean was the very first event so it was it was lovely lots of really interesting incredibly inspirational people in in their own rights like super cycling man who's just crazy and does wonderful wonderful things yeah, he's hilarious. He's he's he made it. So he done I he's done leg two from Turkey to Turkmenistan, and he's just got back. And I got a very nice uh, tweet from him the other day. So I was uh, hugely impressed that he'd done that journey. I have been worrying about him over August, but he's made it. So I can't wait to read about that. Oh, he did brilliantly. I just just following him on Facebook, and he took lots of pictures of his cape hanging up in hotel rooms. It was just honestly, he's fantastic. But he's just a, such a lovely character as well. And what I think warm is the best way to describe it. There was a lot of warmth in the room and a lot of supports and a lot of really interesting people. So speaking of guests, I have to admit that on my podcast, I'm I'm very grateful and very pleased with all the guests that I've got. But looking at your list, we've got Richard E. Grant. We've got Jason Fleming. You've got one of my favourite actors, David Westhead. Oh, do you know David? Well, I don't know him personally. I've known him from the TV, but you managed to persuade him to, to join to join and do a talk for you. I was, I was really interested in your connections and how you found the whole process of you know, signing people up to the, the cause, getting them to, to give their time. David is a friend of mine. We worked together on Criminal Justice, the BBC's Criminal Justice with Ben Whishaw years ago I think it was 2007 yeah I love that show yeah that was su- he was superb in it wasn't he that's a crooked lawyer and a wonderful drama to be on and the cast was just phenomenal but that's how I first met David and David is massively involved in Southern Africa and I think he the last I heard of he was working a lot in South Africa and actually as I started speaking I realized that I couldn't tell you it's so hush hush but it's huge he does phenomenal work out there he spends far more far more time in southern africa than i do and he does his own incredible charity work he's just a lovely lovely person so i knew him so i asked him told him about my money to one last and if he volunteered some time and he was immediately just yes straight away richard e grant i've known not through work i've never worked with him but he's supported other charitable bits and pieces that i've done out in africa and he's narrated three charitable documentaries that i made on my own that i flew out and made kind of in touch with him on and off for about 10 years and he's incredibly supportive and straightforward and just absolutely lovely. And I told him I was doing this and asked him if he would volunteer an hour of his time to do a talk for actors to help them follow in his footsteps and give them confidence. And he immediately was just just said yes. Same with Jason, who I worked with on Primeval. So a lot of these people are people that, a lot of the actors are people that I've worked with. The way that I've kind of, not networked, but been very lucky connecting with people is people like Leon Taylor. Olympic silver medalist diver connected with him through LinkedIn and it turns out that he's very good friends with Chris from Take a Challenge and he was immediately very very supportive and I'm actually recording a podcast with him as well on Monday. You don't don't know Lance Armstrong do you? I keep trying to get him on the podcast but it's <laughs> no. elusive. In fact, Oprah got to him first but uh, one day one day tell you mark my words.
as someone who's had a lovely long sabbatical earlier in the year, bucket lists are a wonderful thing. And I know that's something that you've you're supporting was very much at the heart of the of the concept was uh, I was kind of curious about your bucket list in a way because you're doing such an incredible thing with uh, with the charity and your data. I almost wonder if your if your bucket list is actually sitting on the sofa and having a cup of tea with your feet up. Um, God, my bucket. You know what? No one's ever asked me, and I. <laughs> it hasn't even occurred to me that I have one. I'm so focused <laughs> on trying to do it for everyone else. It hadn't even occurred to me. Yeah. I, there, are, there are things that I really want to do, and when this is complete, when the home is built, and my million to one is over to some extent, so I'm still not sure exactly how it's going to wind down. I may very well continue the website. If the website gets a huge amount of use, and companies, the companies who advertise in it find it very useful, and, and the members still find it very useful, then I may very well continue it. Uh, just without the events and opportunities, it will just become um, a site to help people with their bucket list. But there, are, there is a lot that I would like to do. But my main priority really is obviously the kids. And then it will just be finding my feet afterwards. But I think my million to one is changing me as a person so much, giving me a huge amount of confidence, but also making me realise that when I was working in television, I was very lucky to work on a lot of really really interesting shows and then I moved across into documentaries but I never really found my niche and I think that working on this has helped me realize that maybe I could kind of develop my own niche or or do something that's a bit more creative than what I was initially doing so I think I'm I'm finding my feet just as much as everyone else so I think it shows that if you believe in something strongly enough even if you're starting it from scratch and it's a, a massive idea that you can do it and then you can inspire other people to pursue their goals yeah, that's what I really, really want to do. What's funny is a lot of people have started sending me incredibly lovely, unbelievably lovely emails saying that I'm inspiring them. And I suppose I never really saw it that way. I don't think that I'm an inspiration. I think my minion to one is an inspiration as an example of what can be achieved. But I think more than that, it's an example of how kind human beings can be and how much they can give because this wouldn't be happening if every single person involved didn't take that leap of faith and join my minion to one and see what it was about. We should finish with giving some details of where people can uh, look up more about the charity and you know, hopefully start living out their bucket lists and donating their £1 plus to the cause. So there is the com. you're there on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and then spreading your way across the web and the globe as the idea spreads. So a huge thank you, Alana, for giving up your time. I know you've got incredible amount to do and you're very driven, so I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And to our listeners, you know where to go. Give up your pound, sign up, and I hope to see you at one of the future events. What a great story. So to finish the show, it's best to hand over to friend of the show, singer-songwriter extraordinaire Marcus Hillier, who is quite literally waiting for the hurricane. And when no one is around And you're still nowhere to be found Feel myself coming down This heavy heart 
has run aground When the autumn came you disappeared like fallen rain When the snow is on the Waiting for the hope.